<laughs> all right. All right. Some of you guys. <laughs> some of you guys maybe had a, a flashback, right? Maybe a traumatic flashback to growing up uh, and being on a long road trip with siblings in the car. Right? Is that anybody? Um, some of you guys, yeah, had those siblings, been on that long road trip. You're going on vacation if you can survive the experience. If you can survive the five, six hour drive there uh, and not kill your brother, not kill your cousin, not kill your sister. Um, some of you guys, yeah, that, that was you growing up, right? And so what you remember most about about the trips is like, man, that, that time in the car uh, and, and mom and dad getting frustrated, man, whoever's at the wheel saying, hey, we're going to cancel the whole trip. We're going to turn around. You're not going to get to go see whatever it is, Opryland. I'm not going to get to go see Disney World. I'm not going to get to go to see wherever you're going, camping even. Like, no, we're not going to do it because our bus is too much. It's over. Um, I've had the honor and privilege of being on the parent side of that, right? I've been, on the, I've been the parent, I've been the dad in the front seat driving, and then we've got three kids, and our kids fussing in the back and poking at each other, and oh, he's, he's looking at me, oh, she's, I can tell thinking about me, and I don't like it, or you know, she's breathing my air, and why is he poking me, and, and you get frustrated, right? It's like, I'm just trying to drive, right? Can't y'all just sleep? Can't y'all just chill? I'm just trying to, trying to drive. But then, like, your blood pressure's rising, you're getting frustrated, you're getting angry, uh, as they're kind of going at it in the back seat. Um, it's not fun anymore, right? At some point, th- this road trip that was supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be a fun trip, it's supposed to be a vacation, it's supposed to be a getaway. It's not fun anymore, right? Because the kids are complaining, the kids are fussing, they're getting on to each other. Uh, again, a lot of you guys have lived this experience. You know what I'm talking about. You've been in that car where it's like you all want to kill each other. It doesn't even matter that you're going on vacation. So moments like that, when I'm tired, and when, you, when you're tired, when you, again, you're on the parent side of things, and you are frustrated, and you just want to cancel the whole vacation, and turn around, and everybody's grounded for a month, right? In those moments, it's really helpful to have your other parents uh, in the car as well, right? Someone with a soothing voice, maybe can like rub your shoulder for a little bit and say, hey, honey, remember, this is a good thing that we're doing. You really wanted to take this trip. You really wanted to take the kids on this vacation. Remember, you do you don't actually want to you know, cancel the whole trip and ground them for a week. Uh, I mean, you don't actually want to kill your kids. You, you want to do this. This is a good thing. Uh, in that moment, right, uh, your spouse is interceding for the kids. Right? They're interceding. Hey, you don't, you don't want to destroy your kids. You love your kids. Remember, you promised this good thing you wanted to do. And right now you're extremely frustrated. But, hey, remember you love them. You don't actually want to cancel the trip. Uh, that, that spouse there is interceding on behalf of the kids, right, to, to quell that, that, that anger inside you guys know what we're talking about tonight? We're talking about intercession. We're talking about intercession and abiding. Uh, and, and we're going to continue with our Influences series with the second part of Moses' life. We started talking about Moses last week. Well, this is Moses part two. We're going to talk about how Moses uh, was used by God as an intercessor uh, and how he wants to use you in the same way. We left off last week with Moses leading the Israelites through the Red Sea after a miraculous deliverance from Egypt and beginning what would become a 40-year journey through the wilderness towards the promised land. During this journey, there would be grumbling and complaining and at times just all-out rebellion. And there'd be moments where God, even though God is loving and patient and long-suffering, there's moments where God was done, right? He's He's just done. He's frustrated. He's angry with the people. He said, you know what? Trip's canceled. Right? Trips canceled. Everyone's grounded. I'm not doing this anymore because the people were so aggravating uh, with, with all their complaining and all their rebellion. But this is where Moses was such a key person of influence because in those moments, he would intercede for the people. He would pray and plead for the people, standing as a, a mediator between them and God. 
praying for them and also spending enormous amounts of time in God's presence so that the Lord could imprint on Moses his heart and his character to make Moses the leader that he wanted him to be. So we're going to continue the story of Moses tonight, uh, learning about the tremendous value of intercession and how the Lord wants to use you as intercessors as well. Amen. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into the text for tonight. Father God, again, thank you uh, for this opportunity to gather together, to study your word together. Father, I pray that you prepare each heart beforehand, God, to receive your word. Make us good soil that your word could implant in and grow in us as you shape and mold us to be the men and women of God that you desire us to be. Let the seed of your word grow and bear a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in us. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what you please. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we started this semester with a brand new series called Influencers influencers, and we're going to be looking at some of the major figures of the Old Testament and what we can learn from their life about how God used them to influence the people around them and how God wants to use you to influence the people around you and leave a lasting legacy for his glory. So we talked about Moses last week, God, right? God, God raised up Moses to, to deliver his people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. Now Moses was riddled with insecurity and doubt. He said, God, literally anyone but me would be a better choice. And we talked about how I mean, when we trust in God's power and not our own ability, that helps us overcome those anxieties, those fears, those insecurities. And that God did end up using Moses in a powerful and dramatic way because Moses started leaning on God's power and not focusing on his own insecurities. Right? So tonight... We're going to pick up where we left off. We're going to continue with that story. So after crossing the Red Sea, this is Exodus chapter 15. Uh, after crossing the Red Sea, we get a song of celebration from Moses and Miriam. Thank you, God, for all that you've done, delivering us from bondage. The Israelites then travel through the desert. Um, God leads them to a place where they can have fresh water. God provides food for them, uh, this, this food to sustain them that they call manna. Uh, that starts appearing on the ground, and they can scoop it up. The word manna literally means, what is it? I don't know, it's just the first person that maybe they came and scooped it up. It's like, what is this, though? What is this? They didn't know what it was, but it's what God gave them every single day to eat. Now, it, it appeared like, like flakes on the ground. They could scoop up, uh, like frosted flakes that they can munch on. That, that, that's what God used to sustain the Israelites as they traveled through the desert. This manna, this, what is it? They're attacked by, by the Amalekites. These are descendants of Esau who attack them. Uh, the Lord gives them victory over the Amalekites as Moses lifts up his staff right, as, they, as they're in battle. Uh, on the battlefield is this warrior named Joshua that we're going to learn a lot more about and focus on next week. Uh, but, but Joshua's there on the battlefield, and as long as Moses has his staff lifted up, uh, they're winning. They're winning the victory. Now his arms get tired, so he's got Aaron and her, two friends that come on either side of him to help him lift up that staff, and they win they win the victory there. Moses then leads, uh, continues to lead the people. In chapter 19, they arrive at Mount Sinai. And this is huge. This is a big, uh, big focal point for us. The Lord meets them there on Mount Sinai in a powerful display of his presence. There is thunder and lightning and a thick cloud of smoke. Uh, and the people are terrified, right? The, the mountain is literally shaking. There's thunder and lightning. The people are terrified. And they say, Moses, listen, we'll obey whatever you say. Like, we'll obey whatever you tell us to do, but we need you to talk to God for us, right? We don't want to speak to God directly. We are terrified. You be the mediator. You go talk to God for us. We're going to keep at a distance. 
because we're scared, we'll, we'll obey. Whatever he says, we'll obey it. We just don't want to talk to God. We don't want to communicate with him directly. And they keep their distance. This is a sad moment, right? God wanted closeness and relationship and personal intimacy with these people. And they say, God, you stay over there. You stay over there. We're going to send Moses to be that mediator, but you stay over there. We, he kept them. They wanted to keep God at a distance. And some of us still do that today. Moses does. He goes up on the mountain, and it's there that the Lord gives him the Ten Commandments. You guys heard about these? The Ten Commandments? And several more laws about how to govern the people, how God's people should live as his chosen people. Moses and Joshua and the elders go up on the mountain, and God makes a covenant with them that he's going to be their God. They're going to be his people. And then Moses enters God's glory for 40 days and nights. And there in God's presence is where God gives him the law for his people. And so 40 days and 40 nights, God spends in the presence of God. That's a long time, right? 40 days is a long time uh, to just do nothing but just be in God's presence. Just soak up God's presence. Just be near the Lord. 40 days and 40 nights. That is, and we're going to use this word a lot tonight, that's an extravagant amount of time to spend in God's presence, right? Um, if Jack and I go take a 40-day vacation, that's an extravagant vacation, right? A 40-day second honeymoon, right? I'd be all about it. That's extravagant. I, I like the weekend getaway, right? I, I like even a, a date night at this point. I mean, we, get, we got older kids. Like, we can get away at all. It's good. 40 days, though, is extravagant, right? So this is an extravagant amount of time God spent with Moses. Moses spent there in God's presence. While Moses is communing with God there on the mountain, the people there on the ground, they get restless. They get restless. They don't understand. Why is it taking so long? I mean, 40, it's been 40 days. Why is it taking so long? And let me tell you this. When you begin to spend extravagant time with God, people are not going to understand it either, right? They're going to be like, why? Why? We don't see the point of this. Uh, but the Israelites, they didn't see the point of it. They grow increasingly frustrated. They say, we don't know what's happened to Moses, right? He went up into the thunder and the cloud and the, and the, the earthquake, and he just disappeared. We don't know what happened to him. And so they ask Aaron to make them a new God. They'd just been delivered out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, just got rescued through miracles and signs and wonders. And, and they're saying, would you make us a new God? Right, Aaron, would you make us a new God? And he does. He takes their gold jewelry, he melts it down, he shapes it into a calf, and they begin to worship and party around this false idol that they've made. Right? They, they make an idol. Um, I had to look janky looking, right? Because it's made out of melted earrings, right? They shaped it in and they start worshiping this thing. This is our God now. And they start worshiping this thing uh, that, that Aaron had made for them as God. And this is what Moses sees, right? When he comes down the mountain, right? He comes down the mountain after this extravagant time in God's presence. And this is what he sees. The people worshiping this janky golden calf and partying and celebrating it. Um, and, and the Lord's frustrated. The Lord's done. The Lord's angry. You know, he's ready to wipe out all these people. He says, Moses, I'm going to start over just with you, right? Like, we're going to get rid of all these people, and it's just going to be me and you, and we're going to start a new nation with just you. But Moses pleads with God, God, don't destroy the people. They did something really foolish here, right? They, they, did, they did wrong here. Don't destroy the people. Man, what are the Egyptians going to say? That you rescued them, led them out into, in, into the desert just to kill them? Now, please spare the people. Please spare the people for your own sake, for your own glory. And in Exodus 33, and this is what we're going to be focused on tonight, in Exodus 33, the Lord relents. And he says he will keep his promise to the Israelites regarding taking them to the promised land. But he's going to send an angel to lead them into it. He's not going to go with them himself because he's still angry about their rebellion, angry about their sin. 
And so Moses is going to plead with God once again, begging for his presence to go with them because he knows how important the presence is. And that's something I want you guys to get before you leave this room tonight, how important the presence of God is. It's vital. It's life for us. And so it's going to bring us to the text we're looking at tonight. It's Exodus chapter 33. We're going to start in verse 7. If you have your Bible or you're following along on the Bible app, or also the words are going to be behind me as well. Exodus 33, starting in verse 7, says this. It was Moses' practice, say practice, to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went in the tent, a pillar of cloud would come and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down, bow down in front of their own tents. So there was Part of me, there's a reverence, a respect. They say, okay, when Moses goes into the tent, God literally shows up, right? A cloud kind of comes and hovers over it, uh, and they bow down in reverence. They say, hey, Moses is in there meeting with God, meeting with God. I want you to catch it. It says it was Moses' practice. This means it's something he did regularly, right? Not every once in a while, not every blue moon, I'm going to go talk to God. No, regularly. It's his practice. Regularly, he's getting into God's presence, praying for the people. When they got prayer requests, you know, they, they texted to him, hey, Moses, would you pray for my aunt, right? Like, Because and, and we know regularly it's a practice to go in the tent of meeting and be with the Lord. Would you pray for this? Would you pray for that while you're there? Uh, and, and, and they understood it was a big deal when Moses would go and meet with the Lord in this way. Continuing on in verse 11, it says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Joshua's like, man, this is good. We get to be real close to God. I'm going to stay here. It says there in the tent, Moses would talk to God face to face like you talk to a friend. Moses served as an intercessor, as a mediator between God and the people. And Moses was able to have the ear of God in such a profound way because of the enormous extravagant amount of time that he spent with them. Because he invested so much time in that relationship, he was able to make bold requests of God. He was able to say, God, please don't spare the, or please spare the people. Please don't wipe out the people. You know, please, you know, you've planned to do this. Would you please consider doing this? And he was able to make those bold requests because he knew God very well because he spent so much time in his presence. He earned the right to speak boldly in that way. He invested in the relationship, growing close enough that the Bible says he could speak to him as a friend, make those bold requests of him. You know, if you've got a bold request to make and you go up to a stranger, right, and say, hey, I've got a really bold, like a huge favor I need to ask you, a, a stranger may not be super likely to grant you that favor. Or someone you see like once a year, right, or twice a year, and say, hey, I've got a huge, I've got a huge favor to ask you, I've got a huge need, man, this, I know this is a big deal. We, we don't make bold requests of people that we don't know that well, right? The people that we're close to, man, your best friend, and a family member, a parent that you've invested a lot of time, you've invested in that relationship, you can make bold requests to them, right? 
I've got a close relationship with my wife, Jackie. She can ask me of anything, right? I've got a close relationship with my children. They can make bold requests of me, and they do. They say, Dad, I want, I want this. And, and, and I'm going to listen to them because of that level of relationship. And it's the same with the Lord. And when you invest time in that relationship, you can make bold requests of God. Moses was able to make these bold requests and able to intercede with the people precisely because he had spent so much time there in his presence. As we continue here in Exodus 33, he does make a bold request to the Lord and ask God to reconsider going with them uh, to the promised land because Moses knows the presence of the Lord is vital and doesn't want to go without him. Says, says God, if it's, if it's going to the promised land, like going to paradise, but it's without you, I'd rather hear, stay here in the desert with your presence than go to paradise, but God's not in it, right? He says, we need your presence. So if your presence is here, we'd rather stay here. But if we're going to go with this, God, please, please go with us. So we're going to pick up in verse 12. It says, one day Moses said to the Lord, Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me, I know you by name. I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. Catch that the first thing he asked for is this. Let me know your ways. Let me know your ways so I can understand you more fully. The first thing Moses is, I want more of you, God. I want to know you more. I want to be closer to you. His heart was first and foremost always to know God more. To know God more. And that should be our heart too. Just to know God more. God, I want to know more of you. I want to be closer to you. And then he begins to intercede for the people. Remember, Lord, remember these are your people. Remember the promise you made to them. Remember, remember you love them. Verse 14, the Lord replies, Okay, I will personally go with you, Moses. I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Verse 15, then Moses says, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me? On me and your people, if you don't go with us, for your presence among us sets us apart, sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. Then the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you've asked, for I look favorably on you, and you know my name. So finally, then God relents. Okay, my presence is going to go with you. Moses says, we've got to have your presence. We've got to have your presence, God. It's your presence that sets us apart from all the other people on the earth. Right? And it's the same for us. I mean, it's, God, it's God's presence. It's time spent in God's presence that's going to set you apart, that's going to make you different. Right? People are going to look at your life and say, there's something different about you because of the time you spent in God's presence and allowed Him to imprint His character on your heart and shape you and make you more like Him. Moses has one more bold request, and this one's wild. Right? He says, okay, God, we're close. We're close. I, I, made, I made the bold request. I've got one more thing to ask, and this is a big one. Verse 18, Moses responds, Then show me your glorious presence. Or your translation may, may say, Now show me your glory. Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. So we know, already know God's, God's been talking face-to-face with Moses there in the tent of meeting. I'm guessing it says face-to-face, but maybe not literally, because we know elsewhere in the Bible no one can see the face of God and live. So maybe it's in a veiled kind of form. But, God, but, but Moses says, God, I want to see all of it. I want to see the fullness of your glory. I, I want everything. I want as much of you as I can possibly have, possibly stand. God, I want to see it all, the fullness of God's glory. And so God's thinking here, you know, 
I can't show you the fullness of my glory. You would be obliterated. It'd be too much for any human being. But at the same time, and think about what it'd be like to, to be God and, and have this human being that says, God, I just want to know you as much as it's even possible to know a person. I want to, I want to get as much of you, God, as I can. How does God respond? How do you think the Lord felt about this? Again, this man that wants to experience as much of God as possible, who wants to be as intimate uh, and experience as much of him as possible. Again, no one can experience the fullness of God's glory and live, but still God says, how can we do this? Right? How can we make this happen? We can figure out something, right? We're going to figure it out. So here's how God does it. In verse 19, the Lord replies, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I'll call out my name, Yahweh. We talked about the name of God last week before you. And I'll show mercy on anyone I choose. And I'll show compassion on anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one can see me and live. The Lord continued, look. Stand near me on this rock. Right? He puts Moses there on the rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I'm going to hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. And then I'm going to remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. He says, Moses, and this is an amazing request. You want to see my glory. You want to experience more of me. And I love your heart, and I want to grant this request, but I also want you to survive the experience. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you in this crack in the rock. I'm going to put my hand over it. And then as I'm passing by, I'm going to call out my name. And I'm going to say things that are true of my character, that I show mercy and I show compassion. And you're going to experience me in that way. And then I'm going to lift my hand so you can see my back as I'm passing by. You're going to survive that, right? And so he does this for Moses. And again, Moses has this amazing, amazing encounter there with God. When our desire is for more of the Lord, that's a prayer that God wants to answer. Right? If your prayer is, God, I just want more of you, he's going to figure out a way to make that happen. Right? That's a, that's a request that pleases the heart of God. If my child, right, if my kids, we've got three kids, if they, if they want more time with daddy, if they want to figure out ways to, to spend more time with me, to be closer to me, to, to know me better, I'm going to figure out a way to make that happen. Right? I'm going to move stuff around to spend more time with my son, more time with my daughters to, when they want to know me more, they want to draw closer to me. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to know him. But it's only going to come from spending large amounts of time in his presence. Extravagant amounts of time in his presence. Moses spends so much time in God's presence that in the next chapter, Exodus 34, tells us that his face is radiant. Literally glowing. Literally glowing. So much so that he has to start wearing a veil. I don't know if it's blinding people or just distracting people or it's just too much overwhelming for the people. But he starts wearing a veil around because he's spending so much time in God's presence. He's literally glowing, literally glowing from that time with the Lord. This practice of spending extravagant amounts of time in the presence of God has a name. We call it abiding. Abiding. A-B-I-D-I-N-G. Abiding. Just, just means just being with the Lord. Just being with the Lord. That's in prayer. Man, that's in Bible study. Man, that, that, that's worshiping the Lord. That's sitting quietly in His presence. It's just being with Jesus. It's in math class, and, and you're done with all your assignments, and you still got 15 minutes there. Jesus, would you just be with me? I, would you, I just want to experience your presence right here, wherever I'm at. That's abiding, just being with the Lord. The concept of abiding is maybe best expressed in John chapter 15. This is Jesus speaking. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. 
You've already been pruned and purified by my message that I've given you. So remain in me, it says verse 4. Remain in me. Or your translation may say, abide in me. It means just be with me. Just be with me. Remain in me, and I'm going to remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. The illustration here is Jesus is a vine. Picture a vineyard. Some of you guys have been to a vineyard or maybe seen a picture of a vineyard or understand the concept of how we grow grapes, right? So it's a vine that grows on branches or on like a lattice work, right? That the, the, the vines can weave in and out of and grow on, and it's strong and it supports them so they can grow these big bunches of grapes there off the vine. Jesus says, I'm like the vine, right? All the fruit comes from me. You're like the branches, right? You're not producing fruit. But, but fruit hangs on you to the degree that Jesus is woven in and out of your life, right? So it says, when you remain in me, right, and, and my life starts to flow into your life, and, and, and your life weaves into my life, and you can't see where, 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 where I end, and you begin, you're, you're so saturated with Jesus, then your life's going to bear a lot of fruit. If you keep God at a distance, say, okay, God, you stay over there, I'm going to stay over here, because you're not going to bear any fruit. Because Jesus is the one that bears all the fruit, right? So you're gonna all, your life is only going to bear fruit to the degree that you abide in Jesus, that Jesus' life is intertwined with yours. You got it? That's the picture here, right? Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, and we're only going to be fruitful to the degree we spend time with Jesus. We will never be fruitful if we don't make space to abide, just be with Jesus some missionary hero, Dick Brogdon, says, Extravagant time with the Lord on a daily basis is the foundation of all fruitfulness. Extravagant, there's that word again, time with the Lord on a daily basis is the foundation for all fruitfulness. Abiding, again, just being in the presence of God is what makes it possible for you to serve others and to lead well. It's what's going to make you a person of influence. To the degree you spend time in God's presence, then you will be a great influencer. Because God's going to be the one bearing fruit in you, shaping you, molding you to be the person of influence that he wants you to be. God's heart imprints on your heart. You start to love what he loves. You start to value what he values. You begin to pray and intercede for the people around you, which is the first step in influencing them. Man, you can't influence anybody you don't love. Right? And the real way you're going to demonstrate you love them is you're going to start praying for them, start interceding for them. Before you have the littlest bit of influence on their life, you've already been spending time with Jesus, praying for them and calling out their name to the Lord. That's the first step for influencing someone for God's glory is intercession and prayer and pleading before God for them. I've been doing a, a, a read a Bible in a year devotional called Live Dead Joy. This was the entry from January 25th. The best thing I can do in my service to others is to abide with Jesus. The best thing I can do if I want to serve, lead, influence others is to abide with Jesus. Just spend time with Jesus. I'm going to be a better leader if I've been spending time with Jesus. I'm going to be a worse leader if I've not been spending time with the Lord. You guys hear me? So, so to the degree that we abide, we remain in God, that's what's going to make you fruitful. It was that abiding time with the Lord that made Moses the leader God needed him to be. And it's the same with us. If we want to be people of great influence, if we want to have a fruitful life for God's glory, that begins with spending extravagant time in God's presence. So I want to ask you, what does extravagant look like for you? 
You've got to personalize it. What's extravagant time in God's presence look like for you? Maybe on a typical day, you don't have any time in God's presence. So like anything would be a start, right? Ten minutes might be extravagant if you're doing zero minutes. But I want to challenge you, right? I challenge you to extend extravagant time in God's presence. Whatever you're currently, maybe right now you pray for 10 minutes a day. Maybe you read the Bible for 20 minutes a day. Man, I encourage you, double it, right? Take this week and say, what would happen if I doubled that? What would happen this week if I increased it, not just by a little bit, but by a lot, and see if God doesn't show up and meet you in that moment for that extravagance, right? See if that doesn't so bless the heart of God that he's like, all right, let's go. Let's go. You want more of me? Let's go. And he draws close and he meets you there and you have an encounter with God's presence. Um, man, there, there, there's a concept, again, uh, in, in this, um, uh, from, from this missionary of tithing your time to God. Tithing your time to God. How many hours in a day? Like 24, right? Give or take. No, that's 24. Uh, so if you were to tithe your time, so it would be like 2.4 hours, like two and a half hours with the Lord each day. That sounds insane, right? So he'll do an hour in the morning, an hour at night, and like half an hour sometime in the middle of the day around lunchtime, I'm just spending God's presence. And, and they'll do any number of things. Man, that's reading the Bible. That's prayer. That's praying for others, interceding. That's worship. That's just sitting quietly before the Lord. It's memorizing Scripture. It's just thinking deeply about the things of God. Just chilling with Jesus, thinking about stuff. Um, maybe you just took the hours you were awake. Let's say you're awake 15 hours a day. Because some of that you're sleeping. What if you tithed your waking time to God? We talk about tithing money. Think about your time. What if you tithed your awake time to God this week? Right? So between now and next Wednesday... So that'd be, if you're awake, let's say you're awake 15 hours a day, and you tithe an hour and a half to God. And maybe you break it up throughout the day. Maybe it's 45 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes before you go to bed, however you want to. But what if you did that? Do you think God would show up? Do you think he'd meet you there? Do you think your life would be more fruitful or less fruitful for spending extravagant time in God's presence like that? And you say, man, I couldn't possibly do that. Well, you don't know if you don't try. I think even trying, right? Even making the attempt. It's so going to bless the heart of God. He's going to, all right, he's going to meet you there. So figure out what extravagant is for you, right? If you're doing nothing, then, 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 then do something. Say, hey, each day, each day that's coming a week, I want to spend time in God's presence. Maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's in the evening, maybe it's both. But I want to spend time in prayer, spend time in his word. Just be with him. Say, God, I'm here and I just want to know you. I just want to experience your presence. I want to draw close to you. It's in his presence that he shows us his character and he transforms our character. It's in his presence that we learn to trust him with big things in our life and make those bold requests for things that are going to bless others and bring him glory. It's in his presence that we intercede for the people around us, calling out their names to the Lord, praying for their salvation and for opportunities to share the hope we found in Jesus with them. It's in his presence that he makes us people of influence. Right? So I want to challenge you guys, man, get in God's presence. Get in God's presence and intercede for the people in your life while you're there. So what happens next with Moses? So the law is given to the people. Uh, God leads them through the wilderness. His presence does go with them. Over, over a period of about 40 years, they go through the wilderness. There is more complaining. There is more rebellion. There's multiple occasions where it seems like the people aren't going to make it because they're being awful, right? And God is frustrated with them. Uh, God's wrath burns against them because of this rebellion. But again and again, Moses intercedes with them before the Lord, pleading with God to spare them again and again. And in fact, um, and o- o- over the course uh, of this 40 years, and as you read about in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, 
the constant ministry of Moses was that of intercession. Like he's always pleading with God. Like, God, please spare the people. God, please bless people. God, please help us here. Again and again, he's interceding before the Lord. Quick, quick snapshot. I'm going to run through these really quick. A quick snapshot of the intercessory ministry of Moses. So in, in Numbers chapter 11, Moses intercedes uh, for the people because they're being consumed by a fire because of their complaining. Uh, and he also pleads with God, hey, they're, they're, they're getting tired of the manna. Could we also have some meat? And God sends some quail so they could have some meat as well. In Numbers chapter 12, God pleads, or Moses pleads with God to heal his sister Miriam. In Numbers 14, the people are complaining because there was a bad report from the promised land. Uh, and the Lord's anger burns against them, but Moses pleads with God to forgive them. In Moses 16, Moses and Aaron both plead with God not to wipe out the whole assembly of the Levites because of Korah's uh, rebellion. In Numbers 21, the people complain against Moses and God, right? They're, they're complaining, complaining. They're, so, they're, they're, they're frustrated and they're complaining. God gets angry and he allows venomous snakes to enter the camp and they start biting people. And Moses pleads with God, God, please, would you deal with these snakes? They're biting people. And God has Moses fashion a snake out of bronze, right? Make, make a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and lift it up. And everyone who looks at this bronze snake will be healed of their snake bites, right? So he pleads with God, God, can we do something about this? God gives him a solution. This bronze snake lifted up on a pole is foreshadowing of Jesus, foreshadowing how Jesus would one day be lifted up and people could look to Jesus and be healed, right? In the same way these people being bit by snakes looked at an image of a snake to be healed of their snake bite, the New Testament tells us about Jesus that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. And then he lifted him up, right? So when we look at that image of sin, we can be saved from our sins. We can be forgiven. Right, so this is some huge foreshadowing there uh, in the Old Testament of what God would do for us in Jesus. The good news of the gospel, that God loved you so much, he was not okay to leave you uh, man, in, in your sins, separated from him, lost and hopeless. But he sent his son Jesus uh, man, to, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for us, that our sins could be forgiven. Three days later, he was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven with the promise that one day he's coming back for us. When we put our trust in Jesus, what he did on the cross to save us, we're adopted into the family of God. We've got eternal life. Our sins are forgiven. We've got a fresh start in the Lord. The other major way that the Lord used Moses was to give his law to the people. And we don't have time to get into all that. But as literally, he gave them, he gave them chapters and chapters of law. And here's how you should live. Here's how to live in a way that pleases the Lord. And God wants to use you in the same way. God wants to use you to share the word. Now, he's not giving them on like stone tablets, right, for you to, to show your friends, right? He's not going to give you new commands that aren't in the Bible. But he's going to use you to share his word with people. And maybe it's as simple as just in conversation. Hey, here's a Bible verse that really encouraged me this week, right? Or hey, actually, the Bible has something to say about this situation you're talking about. I mean, this is something that's always been a big help to me. And, and share the word. God wants to use you to share the word with the people in your life in the same way he used Moses, right? You're going to be a big influence on them to the degree you share God's word, God's truth with them. Let's wrap up here. So the story of Moses ends in Deuteronomy. Eventually the Israelites arrive at the edge of the promised land and Moses dies and he passes on that mantle of leadership to that young guy who, would, who fought, the, fought, fought bravely in battle and who would hang out there at the tent of meeting, his man named Joshua, and we're going to hear more about him this week or next week. So what about us? What can we learn from Moses? What can we learn from Moses' life? And I, want, I, want, I want us to have two big, two big takeaways here. Abiding and intercession. I already talked about abiding, right? That challenging you guys. In this next week, 
Between now and next Wednesday, I encourage you each and every day to spend extravagant time with Jesus. You and the Lord figure out what that looks like and when you're going to do it. I encourage you to do it. And see if God doesn't show up and meet you there. See if he doesn't man, transform some things, shape some things in your life, move in a big way in your life when you block out that extravagant time just to abide with him. To make that your regular practice like it was Moses' regular practice. Make it a habit to just spend lots of time with Jesus. People aren't going to understand it. That's not going to make any sense to people. But man, God's going to bless your life for it. The other challenge is this. I want you to allow God to develop you as an intercessor. Right? An intercessor. Praying to God for people. Praying that God would bless people. Praying that God would help people. Calling out other people's name before the Lord. Now when we draw near to God, man, there's times for us to worship Him. Times for us to praise Him. Times for us to give thanks. Pray for His will to be done and His kingdom to come in our life. And there is times to pray for our needs. But man, there's also times that we need to pray for the needs of the people around us. That's intercession. And God, would you help Billy over here? God, would you help Susan? God, God... Randy's far from you. Would you draw him close to yourself? Would you use me to share the gospel with Henry? Praying praying by name for the people in your life that you don't need God's help. And I want to challenge you this week to be an intercessor. Here's what I'm going to have you do. I want you to think of five people. Five people in your life. They could be friends, family members, classmates, co-workers. Five people that you know. uh, And by name, each day this week, I want you to pray for them. Right? Maybe there are people that are far from the Lord. You pray, God, would you give me an opportunity to share the gospel with them? Would you give me an opportunity to share Jesus with them? Holy Spirit, would you draw them to yourself? Maybe they're far away and you you don't actually have interaction with them. God, would you send someone in their life that can share the gospel with them? Um, Maybe there's someone that's far from God. Maybe they know the Lord, but they're just going through a hard time. And God God would move you to, to, to pray for them, for God's blessing on their life, God's help in whatever situation it is. But over these next seven days, between now and next Wednesday night, I want you to pray for these five people every day. That's a challenge, right? To send, spend extravagant time in God's presence this week. You figure out what that looks like for you. And each day, I want you to, to also pray for five people. So come up with those five names later tonight and then start tomorrow. And call those names out to the Lord. Just pray for God to use you that way. And what I think is going to be amazing, you're going to see, as you begin to pray for people, God's going to give you greater influence in their life. Right? Because as you pray for them, you're going to start to love them more. You're going to start to get God's heart towards them. Uh, and God's going to give you, give you words to share with them, ways to encourage them, ways to bless their lives. may give you something to do uh, to tangibly bless them and help them. But, but as you intercede, as you pray for them, and see if God doesn't show up in a dramatic way in that. Here's how I want us to close out this time. I want us to intercede for people. I want us to pray for people. So somewhere in this space, somewhere in this room, uh, you guys can, can pair up your groups of two or three, and I want you to pray for those people. You may not have a list of all five come up. You may need to think about it, but, but those names that just immediately come to mind, and take time in your group of two or three and pray for those people, right? So in these next few minutes, you, got, you guys can stand up, pair off in groups of two, groups of three, get somewhere in this space. We're going to take these next few minutes uh, and just pray. Just intercede to the Lord. Say, hey, these are the people that came to mind for me. Can we agree in prayer for them? Amen? I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll break up into our groups, and we'll go, we'll go intercede. Father God, I thank you uh, for the example from the life of Moses. Um, and, and God, I thank you that you are a God who is personal and intimate. God, that you're not a distant force in the cosmos who created the earth, set it spinning, and, and left us on our own. God, that you're a God who loves us and wants to draw near to us, wants relationship with us. God, I pray, Lord, that if there's any student here tonight that doesn't have that relationship with you, that doesn't know you in that way, that they put their trust in Jesus, even tonight, and invite you into their life and begin following you for themselves. 
that you would be Savior and Lord of their life from this day forward. God, we want close relationship with you. I pray that you'd encourage each student uh, that there be a hunger for your presence, a hunger for more of you, and that this week we would uh, dramatically increase the amount of time we spend with you each day. If it means getting up early, God, if it means moving stuff around, that we would spend just tons of time in your presence and your word and prayer and worship and just sitting and being with you, Jesus. Um, God, would you help us to rise to that challenge of abiding? And God, as we just call out these various names to you of people that are, that are far from God, people that need help that we know and that we love, God, we pray that you would move in these situations, God, that, that, that our prayers offered in faith, God, uh, would, would move your heart, that you would move in these situations in the name of Jesus. We believe you for it, God. We believe you for it. As we, as we touch and agree anything, Jesus promised it, that anything we ask for uh, will, will be done to the glory of God the Father. We believe you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so stand up. Break the groups of two or three, and we're going to spend the next few minutes just interceding, just praying. Um, and uh, and pray, pray for those few people that came to mind. And we're going to agree together that God's going to move in their life.